I should probably turn this on. Maybe that can be my rap name, Baby Pink. Not that you want to hear me rap. How are you? Female pop star that comes to mind. Everyone's Beyonce. If you sing well, you're like, oh, you're Beyonce. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, to just, you know, get comfortable, why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them something that you are grateful for this week. And if you can't find anything, then make something up. I feel like it's okay to do that as long as you're being grateful, right? Awesome. All right. Well, when you are finished, come on back to me. Okay. Well, I just want to say at the forefront before I say anything else, um, everything we do here on a Friday night and on a Sunday morning and even out in our, just our everyday lives, what I'm going to talk about, everything that we do is for the glory of God. It's not about me. It's not even about you or the person next to you. Uh, it's all for the glory of God. It's all to worship God and to honour him. And because God is kind, then when we do honour him and when we do glorify him, we receive from that because he's loving and kind. But we do it to honour him. That's first and foremost why we do what we do. Amen? All right, so let's pray before we get into it. Why don't you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the word that you have bestowed in my heart. I pray that these words would be yours and not mine and that people would lean in, that there would be something that stands out to them and that you would speak to them. God, I pray that you would bless our evening, you would bless our weekend and that whatever has happened this week, God, that you would just cover that with your love and with your kindness and with your grace in your name. Amen. Alrighty. So, you may have heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Who's heard that saying? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Right, so I googled, I also want to say I'm going to try and not preach for too long. I just want to say that. I do apologise if I talk for too long. Um, but it's not what you know, it's who you know. Now, I did try and Google the origin behind this quote, but I did find it a little bit difficult to get to a an actual meaning, a real meaning. But basically it's this idea that when we have a need in life or when we're trying to do something or get somewhere and maybe we don't have the skill for it or we don't have the experience or we don't have the knowledge, the best thing is to find someone who does have that knowledge or experience who can get us to that place or who can help us with that particular thing. Now, as you know, people in the room, we may have heard this quote or this saying when it comes to looking for a job. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger or even just whenever I was looking for a job, I would hand in my resume at so many different places. I'd apply and apply and apply and apply. And when I wouldn't get any luck or get any responses, people would be like, oh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Just find someone who is, you know, offering a job and there you go. Or maybe you've gone and applied at some places and then you rock up at school the next day and your friend who's also applying for jobs goes, oh my gosh, I got a job. And you say, where? And they say, oh, my mom's friend owns a business and she needed a new little barista. So now I'm her barista. And so it's not what you know, it's who you know. 
in that scenario, right? Or, for example, my sister's boyfriend, he works at Glue, and at Glue, they get 30% off. And so, discount is not what you know, it's who you know, right? That's in my favor. So, if this is true, it's not what you know, it's who you know, then who do we want to know? Who are the people in our lives that we want to know and that we want to surround ourselves with? Now, I was a homeschooler. I would just like to apologize, Solly. Every single time homeschooling is ever brought up, I let you take the fall for it. But I'm also a homeschooler. I'm just like less of a one, maybe, or, you know, just I don't stand out like Solly does. I don't know. Anyway, but I was doing a health subject. I'm telling you, homeschooling subjects were so odd sometimes, but I was doing a health subject and we were learning about first aid or emergency services or something like that. And there was a question and it said, if you were in a crisis or if you were in an emergency, who would you go to if you needed help? Like who would you want to have there? Who would you go and ask for help? And I wrote down Megan Burrell at the time because, you know, Megan and I, we have done a lot of life together. And if you don't know her, she's one of the most relaxed, chilled out people in any given scenario where I'm crying, she's probably not crying. She's got a cool head. If I'm screaming, she's not screaming. And so I was like, I want Megan there because I want to be like her in a crisis. But if I can't be like her, then at least she can be there and that'll be good enough, right? Another example of it's not what you know, it's who you know is I'm a mental health worker. I work in a youth outreach program in Penrith. And so I spend a lot of time with young people, just helping them out, you know, meeting their needs, doing life with them, really, um, except I get paid for it. And um, one thing that a lot of these young people need support with is employment. A lot of them are unemployed. And this year has been really tricky when it comes to employment. And so I was spending time with one young girl And she was so stressed to the point where she was almost crying. She's been pretty much unemployed all year. Her finances are not in a good place. And she was so stressed because her job provider wasn't helping her. And she'd applied at so many different places and she was just having no luck. And I said to her, I said, hey, have you ever applied at TK Maxx, which is a store across from Penrith Plaza? And it's where I worked for about four years. And she said, no. And I said, well, why don't you you go and hand in your resume there whenever like when I was working there, they were applying people all the time. I kid you not. I don't know if that's actually a good thing, but they were always applying people. I mean, hiring people. And um, I said to her, they're really inclusive and they're not at all like snobby or they don't care how you look. Like just go and apply and see what happens. Anyway, I found out she went and applied the next day, got the job on the spot. And the next week I saw her there working. I was doing some shopping and she was having her first shift. And so for this young girl, This is just one story, but for her in that moment with me, it wasn't what she knew or what she had done, but it was who she knew. Do you know what I mean? And I think, or I wonder if this whole thing of it's not what you know, it's who you know, can sometimes be applied to our lives with Jesus and with people when we walk as Christians and as we walk as believers and just as humans, I guess. But sometimes... We can be in situations where we don't know what to do and we need help or maybe we've exhausted all of our options or perhaps we're just 
lacking in a certain way. You know, we're not perfect. We don't know everything. And so it doesn't come down to what we know or what we can offer. It comes down to who we know and the people around us and ultimately the person who is always with us. Amen? So there are scriptures going to be up on the slides, by the way, if you want to follow along as they come up. So I think that there's a bit of a, it's what, not what you know, it's who you know situation that plays out a bit in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read it to you. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I do that like every day. Leave me, Jesus, I'm so bad. (laughs) For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And so... We see here in this situation, two men, Simon and Andrew, who believe they've tried everything in their power. Like this is what they do for work. Like fishing is what they do for work. It's their income. They've been out all night. They've caught nothing. And they're like, there's nothing more that we can do. Then comes Jesus, who had a solution in mind and whose, you know, ways are higher and thoughts are higher. And he said, go out again and go throw your nets out into deeper water. He had, he had a way to meet their need that they didn't have. It wasn't about what they could offer themselves. It was about what Jesus could offer them. And so even though Simon and Andrew were hesitant, they would be like, oh, I'm not too sure. They knew of Jesus. They'd heard about him. They knew who he was. And so based on that, they decided to go for it, Right. And not only that, the coolest part of this story, I actually think, is that the story doesn't end there. It's not that Jesus came along to perform a miracle. He then calls Simon and Andrew to be his disciples and they leave their nets, they leave their jobs, they leave the life that they knew and they go and follow him and they begin doing life together. I think that's pretty cool. So if it's not what you know, but who you know, then who are the people that we want to know, right? And if we were to look at our own lives, if we were to, you know, have some self-awareness, take a little look at our own lives, would the people, the friends and family, the people in our worlds look at us and go, hey, they live life in a way that is, you know, really genuine and really authentic and has a lot of good stuff going on about them. 
I, I want to I know them and I want to I be a little bit like them. Would the people in our lives look at us and think that? So, this term, we, who's enjoyed Friday nights this term? I really love them. I feel like every week, I'm like, oh, that was my favorite week. That was my favorite week. That was my favorite week. I will say, Jesse, last week was amazing. Jesse spoke a message on having faith, and the title of the message was Triggered, and I was the person in the back when Jesse said, you know, who's feeling triggered here tonight? I was like, I'm triggered all the time. I'm triggered all the time. Anyway, but we have spent some time tapping into some principles of being Jesus' followers, of what it's like to follow Jesus, what it's like to be a Christian and be a child of God. We've chatted about being the church. We've Pastor Elijah, wherever he is, he preached a brilliant message on reading the Bible and how to get the most out of the Word of God. We heard a great message from Bess on prayer and we looked at walking with the Holy Spirit. We also had a great night chatting about godly relationships. And I quote, it was the best night ever of the whole year. Sam Wooten said that, or Wooten. And we also, we, the last two weeks, we talked about navigating valleys and having faith, like I just said. And I think, I don't know about you, but I think we can agree that these are some really godly and value principles to live by, right? Like, I don't know, looking at all these different topics, if I, were to be, if I were to become really strong in each of these areas of my life, I feel like I'd be nailing it. I feel like, you know, even when Charles would come my way, I feel like I would have good principles and good tools to be able to manage that with the help of God, right? And that's the kind of person that I really want to become, you know? And not only that, but... I want to become that kind of person in God, but I also want to surround myself with the same kind of people who are after the same kind of life with Jesus. And even further than that, I'd want to share that with other people who maybe aren't quite there yet. Maybe they're not walking yet with God, but I want, I'd want to share that. You know, it's like when you, you know, find a really good look out and you just want to share it with everyone or you don't want to share it with everyone because like then everyone knows but my point is you want it when you find the freedom and the joy of walking with God you want to share that with other people hey okay I've never done papery things before bear with me and do you know what that's exactly what Jesus spent his life here on earth doing he spent his ministry sharing with others and teaching to be like him. Now, granted, he's a much better disciple maker than I will ever be and much better person, but that's what he spent his life here doing. He was fully God and fully man. So he knew what it was like to be human. He knew what it was like to be you and me. And before he ascended from earth, he commissioned his disciples to go and make more disciples. It says in Matthew chapter 28, 16 to 20, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus makes it very clear in his word that our lives are to be a vessel for him. They are to be a vessel for him to connect to people and to love people and even further to make disciples. So biblically speaking, 
being a disciple was about following someone's teachings, a rabbi's teachings, for example, so Jesus and his disciples. For us, you know, if we go to Google, I found some other definitions of disciple. It says, you know, someone who is a follower or a learner, someone who takes up the ways of someone else, and then simply just someone who believes in Jesus and seeks to follow him in a daily life. And, you know, sometimes I think what we can do is, um, when we first become Christians, is we say a prayer. Sometimes it's, you know, we call it a salvation prayer, but we give our lives to God. And then what Christianity or what living life with Jesus requires is a follow through. It's not about just that prayer that we say on that one night at church or in a small group or whatever. It's about the follow through. It's about what we decide to do with our lives after that. Are we going to serve and follow Jesus and, you know, try and, you know, live a life that reflects his heart. So for you and me, when we picture making disciples, we may feel like we're not experts in a particular area. We feel like we're not, we may not be qualified enough or we don't have the skills or the knowledge to, to teach. But we can most definitely begin by setting an example as to how we can live our lives in a way that is after God's heart. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I was, I was listening to a podcast by a pastor at Bethel Church. And he, he said at one point, he said, you know, making disciples is just like being a mate, like the Australians say. And I thought it was a really cool way to think about it because sometimes, you know, I think maybe especially as like young people, we can think about discipleship and it might sound like a, a, a big word, but really it's just about coming alongside people and being a mate and showing them the love of God. So I would say that there is no formula to discipleship. I'm not here to tell you how to make disciples or whatnot. But I do think that there are a few thoughts that we can consider and that we should consider when it comes to discipleship. John 15 verses 5 to 8 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So my first thought when it comes to discipleship and being the kind of people that people want to know being the kind of people that point people to Jesus, is that we have to stay close to him. They're super simple thoughts, by the way. They're not like, well, that's such a cool saying. We've got to stay close to Jesus. If we're going to be people that point others to him, we have to stay close to him. If we're going to be disciples, or if we're going to disciples, sorry, we have to first be disciples. You know, you can't, like, if I want to be Um, If I want to teach someone to be a ballerina, I have to be a ballerina first, right? Like I can't go and teach someone that I don't know anything about, okay? So we have to remain in God. 
Jesus models this for us multiple times in the Bible where he would actually leave his disciples for a moment and he would go and pray. We see this in Luke 5 and Luke 22 where he would take intentional time to go and spend time with God, his Father. So what does this look like for you and me? What does staying close to Jesus look like? I think the biggest thing is that we have to be intentional about it. Whether it's being intentional with reading our word, whether it's being intentional, you know, getting up a few minutes early before school or work or whatever it is we're doing during the day and making time to spend time praying to God or communicating with him or just being grateful to him, just having a chat. God loves it when we talk to him. It's about getting to know his word. It's about learning from him. It's about listening for his voice, like Sarah was talking about. It's about walking with the Holy Spirit and listening to his voice. It's about being vulnerable and open before God with our, with our sin and with our flaws and saying, hey, God, like, I kind of stuffed up today and it sucked, <laughs> but would you please come and, and show me how to do this better? Show me what I can do to change. Show me how I can grow in you. Everything flows from our relationship with God. Everything flows from our relationship with God. By communing with him, we grow in his spirit and we go in his gifts and in his strength. Jesse mentioned this verse last week, but Galatians 5, 22 to 26 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ and have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I think that if we want to be people that others can look to and follow, we have to stay close to God. I don't know about you, but this year, my patience has sometimes worn a bit thin with people, especially when I'm not close to God. And I have to check myself. I have to check my heart. If the people in my world who are in my world day in, day out, they would know the days that I'm not hanging out with God so much and the days that I am, right? I know that when I'm away from God, it's a lot easier for my heart to become bitter. My heart and my attitude suffers. I can lose my grace for people. I can forget the grace that God gave me in the first place. I can lose my patience. Forgiveness becomes harder. But when I put God first and when I stay close to him, when I just draw near to him in those moments when I'm freaking out, like Geordie did with, like Geordie led us in this evening when we just took a moment to breathe and to allow God to just step into, into our lives and take away our worries. It's, it's that kind of stuff, staying close to him. So reading on in that chapter in John 15, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So my second thought is we have to stay close to our mates. We've got to stay close to our people. I think that life really comes down to two things at the end of the day. It's loving God and loving people. I don't believe we can truly love God if we don't also love his people. And I don't believe we can fully and properly love people if we don't love God first, if we don't put him first. Hey, it says in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus makes it pretty clear in the Bible that loving our people, loving the people around us is a pretty big deal to him. And what's also made really clear in his word is the importance of meeting together as believers, as the church. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what does staying close to our mates look like? What does staying close to our buddies, our crew, whatever, whatever we call them? I don't know. I feel like I'm a bit behind with the times. I still say peeps, my peeps. <laughs> so what does this look like? It can look like so many different things, especially within church. We have our bigger corporate gatherings like here on a Friday night and on a Sunday morning at Hawkesbury. In COVID, it's definitely looked a little different. Hey, we've had our house services. We also have our smaller, smaller gatherings, such as huddles, grow groups. Put your hand up if you're in a huddle or a grow group. If you've, have you ever gone to a family dinner? I've missed those. We miss you, family dinner. But it's not just about that. Discipleship isn't just a one-hour appointment that we make in our weeks and we rock up and we're like, tick, done my discipleship, went to huddle, went to grow group, went to the service, I'm all good. I'm going to go home now. It's the life on life moments. It's the phone calls. It's the texts. I have a weekly phone call that I do with Megan at the moment. I call her every week to be accountable to her because I know that I've got stuff in my life that I need to, you know, be up front with people about. I need to be up front with her and say, hey, I feel like I can learn from you and I can glean wisdom from you. And so we have a weekly phone call and she encourages me and she'll often follow up with a text throughout the week going, hey, how you doing? It's about praying for each other. It's about speaking life over each other, using our gifts to bless each other. It's about sharing testimonies of what God is doing in our lives. Hey, I feel like we can get better at that, you know, just sharing with each other something that God's done in us this week. So it's a lifestyle. It's not just an appointment that we just pop in our schedule. Cool, God, I'm all good. It's about the life on life. It's about being real with each other. And it's an organic, it's a natural habit, but for a very supernatural purpose. Amen? 
you can say amen just FYI if you ever feel like it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So my third point is that we have to be a mate. So we've got to stay close to our mates, but then we've got to go out and we've got to go be a mate. So like I said before about the podcast, that guy who was like, go be a mate. Discipleship is just being a mate. I'm not joking. I think it's so true. Discipleship can often be as simple as being a mate. Mentoring or discipling someone does not make us superior to them. It doesn't make us better than them. It simply means being willing to let God use our lives to show someone the love of God. Show someone, show someone something that maybe they're, just, maybe they're just lacking or maybe, you know, it's not even, it doesn't have to be this big thing. It could be something really small, but we can go in there and we can meet that need and we can just help them along the journey just a little bit. It's so good to have people who are a little bit further along the journey in our lives to show us the way. We might ask ourselves, well, who are my disciples? We can get caught up in this. Who are my disciples? You know, God reveals that to us when, when he's ready. But in the meantime, we can just be someone's mate. It's about being someone's friend. Over time, you may find that God may place people intentionally in your life that he wants you to do a, de- a really deliberate journey with. And God will reveal that if you trust him to. God will reveal that. These people you often already have a connection with or they're already, maybe they're already seeking God. They're already seeking God. They're already on a journey. God's already drawing them near to him, but we can just come alongside and help them along the way. Because if I had to do all that in my own strength, like it would never happen. And it's kind of not the point. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7, it says... Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So I think for us, being a mate, a lot of the time is going after the lost sheep in our lives. I don't mean like literal lost sheeps, unless you enjoy that kind of thing. Unless you're a farmer. Nothing wrong with farmers. We love the farmers. Abby, where are you? And Ellie at home. (laughs) The country girls. So it looks like going after our lost sheep 
which is a bit of a funny saying, but it means going out for the people who, who perhaps are a bit on the fringe. Maybe it's the person sitting, classic example, someone who's sitting alone in the playground at lunchtime or someone that you work with that you've seen so many times and you've never really said hi. Maybe they are a bit lonely and you could go and just have a conversation with them, introduce yourself. Maybe it looks like going out of your way and going the extra mile. I can think all of my mentors that I have you know, done so much of my journey with, I can think about the amount of hours they have spent with me, coming to pick me up, going to pick me up and then the next person, the next person and bringing them along to services or small groups or just to hangouts. It looks like being there for someone in the good times and the bad times because, you know, we need people to encourage us and to champion us when we're doing really, really well. But we also need people around us when we're not doing so great, when they can speak life into us and they can have perspective and they can, um, they can see the things that perhaps we can't see or perhaps the things that God's highlighting to us when we're in a trial, when we're in a, in a really rough situation. It looks like loving unconditionally. Loving that person who might be a little bit difficult to love, but for some reason, God's put them in our lives or in our class at school or in our team. And sometimes it's a little bit of tough love too. I can think of when I was, I don't know, I was probably about 13, 14, and it was when we used to have youth group services here on Friday nights. And remember there was one girl, she was my age and she used to come here. And to be quite honest, I found her a little bit challenging. She was a little bit hard to deal with. And I felt like every week she just wanted to talk to me for the whole time. And she always had so much drama and there's nothing wrong with that, but I found it a bit tiring. And I remember one week we went and sat on the mezzanine level and she was sharing some stuff with me that was going on at home. She's going through some really rough stuff with her family. And I just prayed for her. I was like a 13, 14-year-old girl. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to pray for you. And so I prayed for her and don't even know what I said. And we said bye. And then the next week, she came back. And I said, oh, hi, how's your week? Like, how have you been going? And she said, you know, my week hasn't been that great. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Um, <laughs> But she said, my week hasn't been that great, but ever since you prayed for me last Friday night, I felt so much better. And I, like my spirit has been lifted and I felt God close to me. And, you know, me praying for her was so not about me at all or what I could do, but it was about what God was doing in her life and how God used me in that moment because I decided to be a little bit obedient to God and say, okay, cool, I'm going to sit with her, I'm going to hang out with her, I'm going to pray for her. So it looks like showing up, even when we're tired and we, don't, and we don't want to. So in saying all of this, in all that we've said tonight, all that I've said, maybe the band wants to jump up as well. We might sing a song to finish after Geordie gets up again. But to close, to wrap this up, if it's not what you know, but who you know, then who do you want to know? And are we being the kind of people that people want to know? Are we being the kind of people that point others to Jesus? Are we sticking close to God? Are we staying close to him? Are we sticking close to our mates? Are we having each other's backs here 
look around at the people in the room. Are we having meaningful conversations with them? Are we having meaningful relationships with them? Do we know what's happening in their lives? Are we being accountable to our small group leader or our you know, huddle grow group leader? And if you're not involved in one, have a chat with someone after the service. I can guarantee you that someone that you speak to tonight will be able to point you in the right direction. And lastly, are we being a mate? Are we going out and being a mate to the people who maybe don't have any mates or the people that we know God's kind of tugging on our hearts a little bit? All right. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's be people who bring good news to our mates, hey? The ones in this room, the ones outside of this room. Let's be people who bring good news, who bring the gospel, who bring the story of Jesus, who bring the love of God. And I think this, this time of year, Christmas, what a year we've had. Oh my gosh, I think people are in need of some good news. And I think there's no better news than Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. God, we are so thankful for you. We are so grateful for you. We are so thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could come into eternal relationship with you, God. We thank you that you are our safe place. You're a hiding place. You know everything that's going on in our lives. You're the ultimate person to be around, the ultimate person to know, the ultimate person we want to be like. And we ask you, Lord, that you would grow that desire in us to be like you to attach ourselves to you, Lord, and to learn more about you and to become more like you. God, help us with our friends, with our family, with the people who are in our worlds now and the people who are yet to come, those who we haven't yet met. God, would you help us to love people? Would you help us to go after the lost sheep in our world? And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can say amen. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Jordy.